Welcome to Breaking It Down, a podcast from the Multiple Sclerosis Trust. I'm Will, I'm a volunteer with the MS Trust, I have MS myself, and today I'm proud to present a new series for Breaking It Down, Ask the Expert Redux. Ask the In Ask the Expert Redux, I raid the video archive of the MS Trust for expert advice on MS. Now, remember, I'm a volunteer, so all the views I express here are mine and mine alone. And certainly not those of the MS Trust. Believe me, they wish they had views like mine. Fine, elaborate views, but no. In this episode, we're going to be hearing about disease-modifying drugs, or DMDs, with MS nurse advisor Nikki Embry. Now, let's take a moment to dwell on the language first, though, because disease modifying, modifying, think about it. It's not really saying much, is it? It's not much of a promise. It's, it's not disease lessening, disease decreasing, disease bettering, let alone disease curing. No, it just modifies it. Maybe a paint job. I don't know, some new rims. Put a bow on it. DMDs are given to people with multiple sclerosis to slow down disease progression. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you already know there are several types of MS. For relapse-remitting multiple sclerosis, DMDs aim at decreasing both the frequency and the severity of the relapses. Although they're primarily an RRMS treatment, over the past couple of years we've seen a few of them trickle into approval for primary progressive multiple sclerosis. So for the progressive forms of MS, the DMDs seek to slow down disease progression. So they're DSDs, really. DMDs are also called DMTs term to which I doubly object because A, it creates a disappointing confusion with the psychedelic drug dimethyltryptamine, and B, well, what treatment doesn't seek to modify its disease? If you're a person with MS and would like to get the D, or the T, as it happens, talk to your consultant neurologist, they're the prescribing physician for this medication, or talk to your MS nurse, and if you do not have those, uh, talk to your GP to get a referral into the MS system. Now let's hear from Nikki. How can I tell whether my treatment is working? Why being reviewed by the specialist nurses or the consultant neurologist? Generally, it's the MS nurse who um, is seeing patients regularly and monitoring the treatment that they're on. The way that we monitor whether the drug is working or not is by um, looking at any relapses that that patient may have. So if somebody relapses on a treatment, it may mean that the drug perhaps isn't working as effectively. It may mean that there might be um, a lack of adherence to the therapy. Um, We generally undertake MRI scans. Now, they're not the be-all and end-all of ensuring that a drug is working. However, if there are new lesions that are seen on the MRI scan or progression, that, again, could mean that the drug isn't working and EDSS will be looked at as well, so monitoring disability scores. So before you start on a treatment, we give we assess the patient and they're given a score. Maybe it's a low score of 1, 1.52. Um, and by recording that score on an annual basis, we will know whether progression is increasing or whether it's staying stable. 
if that progression, if the score is increasing, again, that could mean that the patient isn't doing as well as expected on a treatment and may need considering for escalation of therapy. DMDs, like all medicines, have side effects. Before you start treatment, it's easy to focus on the big, scary ones. But those are ultimately and thankfully rare. People with MS on disease-modifying treatment are more interested in managing the milder but more frequent ones. Chief among those is hair loss. Fair enough, it's not exactly progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy. It's easier to say to start, but still, it is a concern. So how much hair loss can we expect? Will there be hell to pay? Uh, get it, Generally, hair loss isn't clumps of hair that comes out. It usually is more kind of hair thinning. And people will come to clinic and they'll show you that the hair is thinner or take pictures um, to show that the hair has become thinner. Again, it's very individual for each specific patient. So some people will not get any. Other people will feel that, you know, when they shower, when they wash their hair, there are there is more hair in the plug hole. Others will say that it's just not a problem at all. Um, so because it's such an individual thing, I would encourage patients saying that um, it. it, it probably will just be hair thinning it's not going to be clumps of hair that that you lose so that you've got like little ball patches and hair will regrow generally over time but if it continues to be problematic then it does need reviewing with your specialists there's a particular gmd tecfidera that can cause flushing is there anything to be done to reduce flushing there is, and what we would recommend, again in the first instance, make sure that it is just a flushing due to the tecfidera and it's not a hypersensitivity or some sort of anaphylactic reaction. So again, it's best to discuss it with the MS specialist nurse, go into more detail about when this is happening, if there are any other more worrying side effects um, that may be occurring, or if it is just flushing post um, tablet um, again it's best to document things down so you will be given a booklet where you can monitor any side effects and chat either on the phone or face to face with the MS specialist nurse about those side effects sometimes altering the timing of the doses can help um, in other cases it will disappear um, possibly months into treatment however if it is intolerable some people have found benefit from taking 75 milligram dose of aspirin. Um, and again, it's best to discuss with the specialist nurse whether that would be advisable in your case. I think the recommendation is to take a short course of um, this low-dose aspirin to see whether there are any benefits from taking that. Unfortunately, some people have given up on Tecfidera quite early on and we don't know whether they may have these side effects may have waned um, during the treatment but yes yeah, certainly discuss it with either other patients that are on Tecfidera with your MS nurse um, to get more advice on that. 
as it happens, I've been on Tech Federa myself. I, I took Federa, I've taken Federa, is, is what I'm trying to say. It was my first DMD, just after my diagnosis. I was, went on it for a couple of years. And then, well, it was very much like, like Nikki said, new lesion on the MRI, new relapse, and we looked into escalation. So we were looking at Lemtrada and Gilenia, but in the end we decided to go for Ocrevus. And sometimes the conversation you have with your consultant neurologist sound a lot like you're playing Transformers top drums. But as much as you can try weighing the pros and cons before starting on a treatment, it's only once you've been on it for a while that you can really tell whether it works for you or not. One side of this, we've heard about it, is the efficacy of the treatment with the regular clinical and imaging reviews. The other side is the side effects. They're the other reason why people stop or switch DMDs. Which brings us to our next question. How long should someone stick with their DMD if they're experiencing bad side effects? It's going to be very individual to that patient. And the problem with MS is you don't initially know whether the drug is working for you because you're not going to notice any difference with your MS. It's not going to have any effect on the symptoms of your MS. It's only going to be in time where we look at relapse rate at the EDSS and the MRI scans to see how well that person is is doing on that treatment. I certainly would say give it at least six months on a treatment um, before making that decision, obviously, with your clinicians on board. However, some people have had really intolerable side effects and just cannot continue on the drug because of that. Um, So it's an individual thing, but six to 12 months if someone can persevere for that long. Some DMDs are taken by infusion, not the teabag and boiling water kind, but the armchair and IV drip kind of infusion. DMDs are immunosuppressors or immunomodulators at best. So those infusions are not a fun day for the immune system, to say the least. This raises a number of questions, like, can I have an infusion if I have, say, a cold? Depending on which infusion it is, either Tysabri, Ocrevus, Lemchada, it would be better to discuss your symptoms with a nurse probably before you go for that infusion. With Tysabri, we generally say if the symptoms are quite bad, just delay it for a few days, up to a week. Um, with Ocrevus... Um, up to now, we haven't infused that many patients with the treatment. It's a relatively new treatment. But we would say if, if it's an infection, if it's more likely to be a chest infection, an ear infection, we wouldn't infuse a patient with an infection. We would wait until the, all the symptoms had allayed before infusing. So discuss it with the nurse. Depending on the symptoms, we may well delay that treatment just for a short while. Staying on the immunological implications, can I have the flu jab if I'm on a DMD? Depending on which DMD, discuss it with the MS nurse, but most of the disease-modifying treatments, we would say, yes, it's absolutely fine to have a flu jab. It's not a live vaccine. It shouldn't have any effect on the MS and shouldn't have any effect on the DMD. With Ocrevus, again, that would need to be looked at in more detail. So although it's not a live vaccine and you shouldn't have a live vaccine with Ocrevus, um, discuss the timing of your flu injection with um, either your GP or with a, a specialist MS nurse. 
actually, I'm on a crevice at the time of recording. I mean, not, uh, not right now, but this is my, my current DM treatment. And I've had this very conversation with my MS nurse last autumn. We waited six weeks after the infusion to get the flu jab. I've suspended my treatment this spring to get the COVID jabs, but I'll resume in the autumn and I hope to get both the flu vaccine and a booster shot of COVID six weeks after my infusion. But hey, you know, that's just me, so talk to your MS nurse. I was diagnosed with MS in 2015 and was immediately offered a DMD. But that's not always been the guideline. So unfortunately, there are people who could be on a DMD but aren't. What can they do? Um, we do know that there probably are many people out there that are not on disease-modifying treatments um, that probably should be. The recommendation now, um, if people want to look at um, MS, time matters, um, this recommends that people start on treatment early. Um, lots of people talk about progression from a mobility point of view, but that could all, also be progression from a cognitive point of view. Not everyone is 100% sure what a relapse is, particularly those that are newly diagnosed that may have experienced um, probably not many relapses. Um, so my recommendation would be for anyone who is unsure to con get in contact with their MS team, either through the GP or directly if they have access. A little heads up here. Just now, Nikki mentioned Time Matters. She's referring to a multidisciplinary expert report published in 2015 titled Bren Health, Colin, Time Matters in Multiple Sclerosis. You can find it at msbrainhealth, all one word, dot org slash report. Link, obviously, in the show notes. And indeed, time matters at our end too. So that's it for this episode. But you can find plenty more on DMDs on the page of DMS Trust. That's mstrust.org.uk slash DMD. And indeed, plenty more about MS on the MS Trust website. Uh, same address, mstrust.org.uk. Ask the Expert Redux was produced and presented by yours truly, Will Barard. On behalf of, for the benefit of, and with the invaluable moral support of the MS Trust, thanks a lot to them, the archive material you've heard in this episode is a 2019 interview with MS nurse advisor Nikki Embry. Thanks to her, our theme tune was written by Ant Chapman. Find him online at Ant Chapman Audio. Thanks a lot to him. And if you'd like to help other people find this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, download, like, favorite, click the links, press the buttons, do the things on the podcast platforms, especially the big ones, even if you're not using them. It really helps everyone all around. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and cast you later. <laughs> cast you later. Not sure about that one. I think I'm going to leave it in. <laughs>